Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Well, good morning, Audacity Church. How are you doing? Man, a bunch of beautiful people. If you're a guest here with us today, you are beautiful too, and uh, we are glad that you are here uh, to, to worship with us and just to hang out with us on a Sunday morning. So thank you uh, for being here. If you're new around here, my name is Ronnie, and I'm one of the pastors here uh, that uh, help lead uh, this dysfunctional family called Audacity Church. And uh, if you'd like to follow along today, I hope you got a leaflet whenever you came in. It'll look something uh, a little bit different than this, but there's also, from, on audacitychurch.info from your smartphone, uh, you can pull up these pages and you can follow along today. I, I hope you brought your Bibles, and if you did, I want you to turn them to Romans chapter 3, and we'll get there in, in just a few minutes. Um, at Audacity, uh, on Easter, we started a new series, and, and it was called Mosaic. And the idea behind a mosaic faith is to build a lasting faith uh, with broken pieces, and so we've just really wanted to dive in, and we have several weeks where we are going to look at different parts of a broken faith and, and what that looks like and, and how we live for God in, in, in the mess of, of, of our lives. And, and so what I wanted us to do is you're going to see a, a progression over several weeks, and, and I think this is really important. If you miss a week, I always want you to, to, to check back around. I always want you to go and check out the podcast, watch the live stream. For those of you who joined us online today, thank you uh, for being here. But what I want you to do is I want you to get the whole weight of this series. So the first week was about pressing on. We, everything is about Jesus. We believe that. It's all about Jesus. We, we uncompromisingly believe that. And so we want to press on in the midst of all circumstances. We choose. It's all about Jesus. We're going to press on. Last week, I think, is, is, is equally important, and in every series, every part of our series is important, but last week, it was about this. How do we endure, the Bible says, various trials? And James taught us a valuable lesson, and that's joy. He said, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're enduring, you have a choice, and we, as followers of Jesus, choose joy. And there was something that came out that was birthed last week that I know has been said in this house before, but I cannot express how important it is if you want to build a lasting faith, if you want yourself to grow as someone who's advancing the causes of heaven, if you want to receive the blessings of God, this is what you have to know, that your theology cannot be determined by your situation or your feelings. Jesus is who he says he is. We believe he is Lord. We believe he is King. We believe that he wants to be actively, intimately engaged with us in our lives. And so, no matter what our circumstances may bring, no matter how we might, might feel in the middle of those circumstances, we don't allow our theology to be shaken. Jesus, uh, whatever's going on in your life, I want you to know Jesus didn't like roll off his rocker. Whatever you're having to endure right now, I want you to know Jesus didn't turn his back on you. He's crazy about you. 
So the next few weeks, we're going to look at how we, we build a mosaic faith. We're going to look at how we're moldable today. Are you really moldable? Like, is God having his way with you? Next week, what, what do we do once we've been molded? Then we, we have to be refined. So we're going to look at what it means to, to look at to be refined. And then we're going to have Fifth Sunday. <laughs> so pumped. So Fifth Sunday, we close our doors to serve our city, and then we'll kick off about how we live as a vessel for the glorification of God. And so we have some clay pots, and hopefully these all will make sense. And this piece of artwork behind me has been uh, done by my talented mother-in-law, and it's a, a mosaic piece, and it's just beautiful. And so we want you to really embrace what the idea of a mosaic faith looks like. George Wilson and, and James Potter are, are both criminals. Um, they are arrested, and they are charged with six counts of jeopardizing human life and of basically being thieves. So both of them are convicted to death by hanging, and both are supposed to die on July 2nd. Now, on July 2nd, George Wilson dies, and James Potter doesn't. Now, James Potter had some influential friends, and so they begged the president for a pardon. They're like, listen, we know he messed up. What we want you to do is will you just forgive him of everything that he's done. And the president in this time, he's persuaded to release him of all of his charges, forgive him of a crime that he committed. Now, shockingly enough, he chooses not to accept the pardon. He chooses to take the death sentence. You guys might think that's noble or crazy, but the Supreme Court had to get involved. I wrote a couple things down that they said. The Supreme Court wrote that a court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of the pardon unless he claims the benefit. They go on to say, a pardon is an act of grace Proceeding from the power entrusted with the executioners of the laws, but delivery is not completed without acceptance. It may be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered. And we, the court, have no power to force the pardon on him. See, the Mosaic life begins with a pardon. Jesus puts it this way. For God so loved the world. And the world is a fascinating word. World there. See, he could have chosen a variety of different words, but Jesus is telling a religious leader that God loves the world. What's opposed against him, what's enemy of him, what will fail him time and time again. And, and yet, God, Jesus says, God so loved that system that he gave his one and only son. Now, I, I don't want to wade into deep theological waters here this morning, but I, what I want you to know is this is where I wrestle most with an idea that is really popular in the Americas called limited atonement. And it's the idea that God, Jesus, just gave his life for some and not for this is my belief. The gracious, loving Father in heaven, who is the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament, 
has issued a pardon for all. Believe that's what love does. But you, I, we's is good English, have to accept the pardon by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And so I stand here before you today to say, have you received the pardon? Because even the Supreme Court says a pardon cannot be forced upon you. Romans chapter 3 says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested. It's been shown apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. This is Romans 3.21. He says this. He says the righteousness of God has, has, has been shown to us okay, by the law and the prophets. This is why in this house we believe you have to have a clear understanding and appreciation of the Old Testament if you want to think you have a clue about the New Testament. Then he goes on to say this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Dear friend, let me explain this to you. We do not apologize for calling you a jacked up sinner in this house. We do not apologize for saying that you are selfish and that if given to your own ways, you will destroy yourself. You'll you get all the money in the world, and you'll be destroyed. You'll have as much sex as you could fulfill you momentarily, and in the end, it'll end up destroying you. You can take something that is a good thing, and you turn it into a God thing, and it consumes you, and it destroys you, and at the end, you find yourself empty. And emptiness only leads to two places. One, you want to end yourself, or two, you continue with whatever addiction, idolatry that is consuming you. We receive the pardon. See, your mosaic life of, of being built for the purposes of God, of being formed and shaped. You notice how all the vessels are different? You notice how they all can, some of them are a little bit tougher than others. A couple of weeks ago, Gideon's in a really cool phase as a two-year-old. When he doesn't get his way, he just throws whatever's closest to him. It's awesome. Should just come hang out with us. And so he chose this bowl to throw the other day. If you ever want to lay your hands on a two-year-old, just pray for him or knock him down. I, I don't know what's right, but the truth is there's the, now there's these chips and cracks in this bowl. But the bowl has not yet lost its value. See, there's chips and cracks and dents and mistakes and a throwing toddler. But the, the bowl still serves its purpose. I put popcorn in it two nights ago. See, what happens is we have to live a life as a mosaic broken vessel for God. But you will never live the life without receiving the pardon. Your friend, your spouse, your cousin, your brother, your children will never live the life that God created them to experience and enjoy without receiving the pardon. I need you to know that you are a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And He's so crazy about you that He sent His Son from heaven to earth to die for you. How cool is that? That's the hope we have. You see, when it comes to this pardon. The pardon is offered, but it has to be received. 
And for somebody that has experienced the pardon and received the pardon, the only thing that we can do is share the pardon. In this house, we say we don't share our faith, we share our hope. Peter challenged the early church that was enduring a lot of persecution. He says, always be ready to to give a, a reason for the hope that you have. And so we walk around as hope-filled people, broken, dropped, bruised, maybe not fulfilling the purpose that God created us for just yet. We're sitting on the shelf. Maybe we're still at the master's table, wherever it might be. But until you receive the pardon, you will never experience all that Jesus has for you. It's simple. There's no tattoo, although we would give you one if you want one. There's no hoops to jump through. It's just simply, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son, that you died for me. And I ask you to step into my life, wreck my life, change my life, so I can live for you. I want you to understand, as we talk about this mosaic life, and we talk about everything from being used for the purposes of God, when we talk about being blessed by God, your cup is running over. We talk about generosity. We talk about purpose. We talk about the plan that God has for your life. It all begins with this moment. It's all about Jesus. No matter what I'm walking through as a follower of Jesus, I can see joy, but it all begins with a pardon. The second thing about the Mosaic life is it begins with a purpose. This is what the Westminster Catechism says. It says, what is the chief end of man? It says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. See, your purpose and my purpose is to glorify God and then to enjoy Him forever. Forever. My favorite thing, or one of the most confusing things as someone that talks about faith and apologetics a lot, is people are like, well, everybody would want heaven. I'm like, well, that's an assumption. You know what they say when you assume. And, um, um, sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Um, where was I? Oh, heaven. If you don't want Jesus right now for like this 70 years, why in the world would you want him for all eternity? Well, because it'll be nice. What? What would be nice? Being in his presence and glorifying him forever? That sounds like a capital punishment to somebody who doesn't want Jesus actively involved in their life now. Your purpose, my purpose, whether we receive the pardon and live for His purpose, is to enjoy Him forever. And then we exist to glorify Him. See, you and I are, are, are when we, we, we're, we're most intimate and real with the Father, is when we, we are most glorifying Him, and then He is working through us, bringing glory to Himself. And that's your purpose. Josh read it a few moments ago. It says in verse 13 of Psalms 139, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's room. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you keep reading down in verse 17, it says, How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more numerous, more numbered than the sand of the sea. Dear friend, God is in a good mood. He's crazy about you. And all his thoughts towards you are good thoughts. What religion does, is it says, you're not measuring up. What religion says is you're not jumping through the right hoops. 
What religion says is do, do, do. And the Father would just say, be, be, be. You are not a human doing. You are a human being. And that's real deep theology, I know. That's all he wants. He just wants you for who you are. Broken, chipped up. Some of you not ready, not quite ready to be used in all his full purposes as he's preparing you and molding you. This is a really good thing. Write this down. God don't make no junk. That's how we think, right? Well, he can't use me in my brokenness. He can't use me because I knew better. He can't use me because of my past. He can't use me because of my pain. He can't use me. And you guys just keep on making lists. And he's like, hey, you know what? I threw that list out at the cross. That's the pardon. You exist to bring glory to the Father in spite of and because of your brokenness. That's what we get to do. God, uh, John Piper said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. You're like, but Ronnie, I'm hurt. The last five years I think I've found myself apologizing on behalf of the church as I have anything else. And if, if someone in the church hurts you, I want you, I'm sorry. Um, I am. The, the church should be the safest place to mess up. The church should really be the safest place for you to wrestle with your faith. I had one of my friends ask me this week about, hey, is it okay to doubt? Like, I hope so. <laughs> as long as doubt doesn't lead to unbelief, I think that's okay. See, we, we have this idea somehow that this isn't the safest place in the world. And I want you to know that it is. We want you to find Jesus, connect with the Father, be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that you can then glorify Him with your life. Which leads me to number three. The Mosaic life really begins with surrender. Surrender. There's this famous hymn that says, I surrender all. And and that's where it begins. So yes, there's a pardon. Yes, your, your life has a purpose. But that purpose will never be fully lived out until you say, Okay, surrender. There's a prophet in the Bible. His name's Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote this. He said, and this is in chapter 18, and the father is talking to him. He says, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I, Jeremiah, went down to the potter's house. And there he was, working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. And and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to do. So Jeremiah, here's God. God, what what do you want from me? I want you to go down to the potter's house. You know, I don't even like the guy. It's a far walk. 
I want you to go anyway. Can't you just tell me what you want me to know? No, I want you to go and see it. There's surrender and what Jeremiah is asked to do. And, and then God speaks to him. He says, then the word of the Lord came to me. Oh, house of Israel. Oh, Ronnie. Oh, Jonathan. Oh, Susan. Oh, Josh. Can I not do with you as the potter has done? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. I should insert your name there. O blank. Your name is blank. Your mom did not love you. Can I not do with you as the potter has done? Maybe she did. Declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I'm just going to ask you, are you moldable? Like, are you living a life that can be molded? Or, or are you like, man, well, Jesus, you can, you can have this, like, you can have all, you can have all, all, you can have this part. I don't, I don't want you to mold me fully because I still want to hold on to some things that, that when it really comes down to it, I love more than I love you. But God, I mean, you made me like this. And I'm, I'm like, I have to be inside and, and I have to, I don't, I don't, and I wanted to really be like this, this one. You're like, I can't surrender. And you don't surrender because you're in the comparison trap. We said it a few weeks ago. Kryptonite of the Christian is comparison. We're like, but this is me. And he goes, yeah, I made you that way. But I, I'm an addict. Oh, yeah, I know. It's because I want you to be addicted to me. But I'm fearful. Oh, I, I, I know. I made you fearfully and wonderfully. And it's so that in your fear, you could be built up in faith. But man, I, I'm weak. I can't take a lot of pressure. My, my weakness. I say, oh, I, I know. It's so that your weakness and, and, and your weakness is my strength. But like, I don't want to surrender because I'm afraid of what you might ask me to do. He goes, I want you to surrender because I know what you're going to do. I have good plans for you. I formed you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I, all your corks I made. And we're like, I don't want to surrender. I don't want to surrender. And, and the father would say, how long, Ronnie, will you not let me mold you? I love the lesson from Jeremiah the potter. See, surrender really just equals faith. Isaiah also had a, a similar statement. He says, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen vessels. Does the clay pot say to him who forms it, What are you making? Uh, full disclosure, uh, very unpastoral of me. I have asked that question a million times. Why did you make me like this? 
Or my favorite question in the midst of circumstances, what are you doing? Like, are you so busy that you don't see what's going on? Do you think I'm strong enough to get through this? Like, put on the brakes. Where's your grace? He's like, I'm molding you. And I haven't even put you in the fire yet to refine you. Well, I don't know that I want the refining. Listen, you don't. Come back next week and you'll maybe learn why. The point is, there's so many times at the potter, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this? Why are you doing this to me? See, I think that there's, well, Romans says this too. Let me read this verse. It says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to the molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump of vessel honorable use or another for dishonorable use? The author of Romans is saying, man, God can do what he wants with you if you just would surrender to him. I think there's three signs of a moldable life. The first one is brokenness. We're just like, man, this is all I got. Use me for whatever you want to use me for. And you just come to this point where you're just moldable, a lump of clay. And then the other side of, of being moldable is just abiding with the Father, being attentive. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if we're really honest, we're like, well, we're going to do just about everything without you until we've messed it up, and then we're going to let you in on the mix. And Jesus would say to you, and he would say to me today, would you, just, would you just abide in me? Let me take your brokenness. And, and then he would say, will you obey? See, obedience is, is a sign of following Jesus. And I want you to know that the will of God for your life will never go contradictory to the Word of God. It never does. Like, well, should I really be involved in biblical community? Well, that's what the Word of God says. Well, do I really need to honor the Sabbath? That's what the Word of God says. Yeah, but but I'm free from the law. No, you were freed from having to sacrifice a lamb this weekend. Hashtag, you're welcome. That's what Jesus took care of. He was your propitiation. He took care of the need of a sacrifice, not the need to obey the plan, the will of God. I'm going to close with this. The Mosaic life, this idea of living a life that's filled with the plans, the purposes, and the people of God. The mosaic life that's like, God, in, in, in all of my brokenness, I'm just going to give it all over to you. The mosaic life always begins with the end in mind. I love this text in 2 Corinthians. It says this. If you want to turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested, brought to light in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And God's not done with you. You, uh, 
I still don't understand this. I'm not going to pretend here. I'm like, give you some deep theological wisdom. He chose an earthen vessel to redeem, to pardon, because it opposed everything about him. He created man out of the dust of the earth, and then the dust decided that it didn't like its maker or its maker's ways. And, and then the scripture says that after he forms and molds us, he then puts his spirit inside us. So now in, in, in jars of clay, these earthen vessels, the, the Spirit of God rests in us. So that then this vessel is used for its purpose, which is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And, and some of the vessels are seem prettier than others. They're not. Some of the vessels seem to have a, a, a bigger purpose, a more important purpose than others. And the Holy Spirit would say, no, I'm on the inside of you. Let me come out. See, you can't empty out what you're not allowing to be poured into you. You can't overflow what you're on empty with. And the Father would just say, will you receive my pardon? Will you experience your purpose? I know it's hard, but you will surrender. Will you just surrender? And then when you do all of those things, I want you to know that as, as my son, as my daughter who's been adopted, you've been reborn, born again into the family of God, as my son, as my daughter, now, 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 now we're living for the end. We build the church because it's the only thing that's eternal. We give our lives to His plan, His purposes, and His people. Why? Because it's the only thing that matters. I want you to hustle. I want you to be successful. I want you to demonstrate what it looks like when someone filled with the Spirit of God, in spite of their flaws, in spite of their brokenness, is living for the purpose of God. And then as people are attracted to the economy in which we live in, they're attracted to what they see God doing in your life. They're attracted to the hope that you have. And we're just like, hey, I'm just an empty vessel. I just have hope in what God has done in me, through me. See, the Holy Spirit fills you for your purpose. The Holy Spirit fills you so that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. But the Holy Spirit rests upon you for the purposes of others. They should see that. They should see the manifesting power of God resting upon you and how you live and how you handle situations. See, Jesus makes this possible. He loves you. You're like, well, Ronnie, I, I, don't, I don't feel very loved today. He already proven his love for you. Romans chapter 5 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has proven his love for you on the cross. He's proven to take you as an earthen vessel and to pour out his spirit upon you. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.